I ask that our ancestors, loved ones, family members, and anyone who has passed on join us now as we set a space for healing, receptivity, and learning. For anyone who is open to it, I ask that you send them a sign or a message. Let this be from someone who has passed on. This communication is meant to facilitate healing and understanding as we journey through this lifetime. May this message be one of love, of the highest vibration, and for the greatest good of all. I set the intention that my guides and ancestors be present and assist me to speak from the heart, to share the messages that need to be shared at this time. And so it is. Hello and welcome to episode four of Unmasking the Universe. My name is Brenna Mosley and welcome back. This is going to be filmed as if it's a continuation of last week's episode. I wanted to give you all a break and myself a break. I went and got some food. Um, it's much later in the evening, but I still have the same setup going on here. I also went ahead and brought back or brought over um, my Angels and Ancestors Oracle deck. Um, I may or may not pull from it if I feel called to at the end, but I wanted it to be an option. Um, so thank you all for joining me tonight. Um, if you are starting this episode, feel free to do so, but the previous episode will give you more of a background of what we were talking about. So we finished off with listening to Enya, and um, I have to admit that after my grandmother passed, um, I became a little bit of obsessed with Enya, especially because of, you know, how she passed away, that, you know, that song, On My Way Home, and I hope you got to listen to some of the lyrics, um, was playing when she took her last breath. And so um, that really, for me, gave me such a spiritual belief and like just like belief in a higher power or of us being able to plan our passings or control our passing because it was so magical like the impact that the room felt like it just it was because you have to realize music had been playing for days right like pretty much 24 7 and so we were all around her all of her children and myself we're all around her bed. And then when that last chord hit was when she took her, and we knew, we knew she was passing. Like we were all sitting there waiting. And um, so it was just very impactful because the, the room, entire room fell silent. And then we all just looked at each other and we're like, is, is that it? Like, is that the last one? And then you just heard the CD player click. You remember like it just, anyways, it was so beautiful. And <sighs> So that's why I wanted you all to remember and realize that our healing, our hearing, healing, our hearing is the last thing, um, a last sense that we have. Um, I'm convinced. So, um, and I've. It's not just that moment with my grandmother that I have seen that hearing, you know, is is present. Um, there's been a f quite a few people. Um, I was actually present for someone else's passing not too long ago, and. Um, she was on machines and was oxygen was breathing for her kind of thing. And, um, I showed up whenever the doctor was doing rounds and he was talking to the family about their options. And, 
um, basically, you know, her condition, she wasn't getting better and um, she was becoming more and more dependent on oxygen. And so I remember the patient was like, you know, moving and irritable. And I recognized that, you know, it was pretty loud in there with all the machines. So I just took a moment and sat with her and touched her and said, hey, and told her, you know, who I was. And, you know, I started talking about all the people that were there for her and made a joke that there's too many for me to remember. And so that she must be very loved. And then just tell her what the doctor was talking about and just let her know what they're deciding and what they're leaning towards. Because you do, you can, I would imagine, feel hopeless. I mean, I remember with my accident, there were times when I was conscious, but I could not move my body. And they did not know I was okay enough mentally, you know? But anyways, um, so I just, I have seen it firsthand how the hearing is the last thing to go. So just be aware of conversations you're having around them too. Like even if you're stressed, I understand, but like they need to focus on healing. So try to keep the conversations around them as positive and even the environment as positive as you can. Um, you know, consider what the patient is going through when, you know, they're bedridden. What are they looking at? Like what, look at the ceiling, put some pictures of the family up there, put some drawings up there, you know, some pictures of nature. You know, if they have a pet, try to get the pet to come in, sneak the, the dog in if you can, sneak the cat in if you can. Um, it's and, and in my opinion, when someone's passing, it's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. And it's about making them as comfortable as possible. Not even just with drugs. Like, what can you do to that environment to make it more comfortable and more supportive for them. And that's whether you're healing from, you know, surgery or passing or whatever, like in general, look at your environment. What can you do to make your environment more helpful for you? I mean, that's kind of just a life lesson that I learned. Um, but oh yeah, like I had this idea to like, you know, bring a blanket that, you know, maybe their grandmother made or something like, think about all of the senses. So like, you know, if you can like burn, you know, incense or candles or, you know, maybe fresh baked cookies or coffee or, you know, try to use all of the senses to make the environment, you know, essential oils, you know, endless, endless ideas. Um, Okay, sorry, I had to um, cut that. There was a really loud motorcycle that just really cut through the audio, so I had to pause for a second. But um, we're, since I had to pause, we're going to go ahead and jump gears. And I wanted to mention that I am the type of person where I think everyone should go to therapy. Um, doesn't matter where, whether you ha are having positive experiences in your life, whether you're on a high point or you're on a low point. I think having someone there that you can consistently speak to, that someone that can hold space for you no matter what regularly I think is helpful because we have to remember that our family is not our therapist, our partner is not our therapist, that we should have someone that we can talk about some of these things with and process with. Um, and I mean, I think this is going to be obvious, but if you are seeing a therapist consistently, I would think that help having that would help you through grief because your therapist would, would be able to give you coping skills and coping mechanisms throughout that process, whether or not it was sudden or you have been their caregiver, for example. And 
Um, one of the big things that I wish I knew before experiencing grief and like I wish I had time to prepare for before I was actually hyper emotional was that every single person is going to grieve differently and even every single death you're going to grieve differently. Um, the, I would say that a matriarch passing would feel very differently than a friend. And if a friend passed, you know, you usually only have a couple of friends max that would also be grieving at the same time. Whereas if you lose a matriarch, it's your mother or father and all of your uncles and cousins and so on and so forth. So part of grieving, I would say, kind of depends on your environment. Um, I mean, I think that could be said better, but like, I think you can get the idea that the impact will be more significant sometimes than others. And um, you might have, something that I encountered, for example, was that you might have some family members who are religious, and so they need, they cling to that whenever they're grieving, and so they may want to recite scripture or sing a song that resonates with them. And so I think folk, having a time and a space where you're dedicating to grounding yourself and doing what you need to do is what's very important because then when someone else needs to do the same, you can honor them and not feel like your time and your energy is being taken away. Hope that makes sense. Um, but I, th I think most of us who have studied grief at all know that anger is a very common feeling and association when grieving. And I think it's easy to point our anger in certain directions, one of that being family members, because we may not understand why they're grieving or agree with why they're grieving the way they're grieving. Um, I know I've seen people who have shown up to the hospital or the funeral drunk. I have seen people who um, yell at their other family members because they don't know how to process their own you know, feeling, which is kind of what I'm talking about right now. I have seen family members um, go completely silent or the moment that they die, you don't see them again because they can't handle being around a dead body. So I, it's kind of obvious. And I think if you're not in the moment, you'd go, well, yeah. But it's different when you're experiencing it because you're all very sensitive. So being aware of that before you go into it might be helpful and learning how to let go and not connect to your ego in that moment I think is important. Um, be gentle with yourself. And there was actually a phrase that my grandmother used to say. She used to say, be kind because you never know what someone else is going through. And I actually found that on an index card that was in a book of hers, like way after she passed, and it was a handwritten note. And so it was a really beautiful reminder and a lesson, and even an example of how she has still taught me things after her passing. So one of the ways that I coped with remembering and recognizing that she passed was I used to run through scenarios um, that I knew my grandmother would not see happen. Like I knew she wouldn't see me graduate high school or college for that matter. Um, I knew she would miss my wedding. She would uh, miss meeting my future partner. 
missed the birth of my cousin who was due, you know, a month after she passed. So for a while, I found it helpful to let my mind do that for, because, or at least I found it helpful because at the beginning, when you first lose someone, sometimes I really felt like I needed a reality check so that I would remember that it happened. There were mornings that I woke up after having a super realistic dream where, you know, I was like all warm and fuzzy in my dream because I received a message from her or I spent time with her and then I woke up and then I realized that she wasn't alive. So then I had to go through the whole grieving process all over again and it felt terrible. Um, But on the other side of that coin, you might reach a point where it hurts to recite those things or even admit that someone has passed. Um, And so depending on the person in the scenario, I would recommend something different for each person. But um, I might suggest that you change your wording and how you talk about them passing. So maybe say, let's role play for a second. Hey, Susie, why did you miss work? Oh, my grandmother's dead. (laughs) That's line one. Um, Versus, my grandmother's no longer with us. I had to go attend her funeral. It feels different. You know, dead has a finality to it. And um, reframing the situation can help healing. Not just with death and dying. You know, like rephrasing and reframing how you say things can really affect how it comes across and how it feels. Um, and that's something that I feel like Louise Hay also covers in her book. Like you can tell a lot about a person by how they look, you know, if they look worn and haggard, they're saying and repeating and feeding harsh realities. I hope that makes sense. Um, so I went on a tangent and I, in my notes made it connect, but I went on the tangent and so it's not going to connect now. (laughs) But, uh, there's something else that I wanted to bring up because like, you know, I did the whole work role play and I wanted to, to bring up work as well. Um, this is something that we can all do just by talking about it, just by bringing this up. You can mention this podcast or you can find other material where it talks about it. But, um, as you know, I live in Florida And there is a company, there's a chain called ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, and I used to work for them. And when I was working for them, I experienced a loss, and they only allow three days of bereavement. And um, even then, you have to be with the company for so long, which, you know, it's whatever. I understand there can be a high turnover, but three days is really not realistic when you think about it, because the person that passed away lived out of state. So that's one day to travel up, one day to attend the funeral, and one day back. And number one, do you know how expensive last-minute flights are? Or even just, like, having to pay for gas and getting your stuff together and, like, getting on the road? Like, travel is expensive. Um, Because especially it gets even more expensive when you only give us three to five days. If I have like a week to play with, you can play with prices here and there. But if you have a very short window of three to five days where you know one of those days you have to attend the funeral, that makes it even more expensive. And that's 
not kind to someone who is going through something like that. Um, and funerals are about being there for family and friends. It's not a freaking punch card. Like, I don't get to schedule the death, so you certainly do not get to schedule my grief and my coping. That's how I feel about it. Because, and I'm calling the company that I worked out for on purpose. Like, this should not be tolerated. And there was another family member that worked in a hospital, and the hospital had the same policy, only three days bereavement. ABC is quote-unquote kind and that they will allow you to combine your two days off for that week to make it a five-day trip, so you get an extra bonus two days. Except when you come back, you're then going to have to work basically 10 days straight, depending on how the schedule falls, um, to, because you your two days off were either traveling or crying with your family and friends. And I just find that unacceptable. Grief is not something that just like shifts right away. Like if you do any research at all, a quick Google search will talk about grief and about how most people experience it intensely for 18 to 24 months, like three days. I'm not saying you give me a whole month off, but you got to work with people more than that. That's we got to call these people out and hold them accountable. And I'm optimistic that these generations continuing will have a better standard. Um, as my friends and I like to say, it's not cancel culture, it's accountability culture. So now I think you're seeing my perspective on death and let's kind of switch over to the spiritual for a bit. Um, we've talked a lot about, you know, like mental resources, you know, go get therapy, um, talk about it, you know, don't feel ashamed bringing up memories and things. And I'll, I'll dip into that a little bit too here in just a moment. But um, so we talked about mental, physical, I'll get to um, emotional, you know, don't stifle yourself, let yourself cry. And so now we're going to get into the spiritual for a bit. So um, now you know <laughs> that everyone in your life is going to die, uh, including yourself. So what can you do about it? Um, honestly, at the end of the day, nothing much. Um, the reason why I say that, because even if you follow all of the suggestions that I have given and you build a better relationship with death and grief, at the end of the day, when it happens, Nothing is really going to prepare you for that moment. So don't expect to feel amazing when someone passes. Um, I think that this is fairly obvious, but I wanted to go ahead and say that just in case. Um, but, you know, the main thing that you can do is just be there for the person and let them um, speak and hold space for them. But there are some, you know, kind of going into the physical, there are some physical things that you can do. Um, and I've learned this from a number of people now, but uh, you can give your loved one who is passing or give any loved one a crystal. The thought behind this is that crystals um, can hold and transmit energy. So if you give them a crystal, you can either just wait until they pass away and then you re-inherit it, or you can get them a crystal, get yourself a crystal, and kind of let these two spend time with each other and then eventually give it to this person so that they like can talk and communicate with each other. Um, and I also had this idea of 
when you tell the loved one to kind of make up some kind of, not make up, but like give them something positive to think about. Be like, say something like it's a magic crystal and it absorbs all of the love that you have for me every time, you know, you think about me or whatever that love goes out into the room and the crystal sends it to me. Like you can come up with some kind of like nice thought or idea so that especially when they go to look at the crystal, they'll remember that story and that intention that you have set and it will resonate even more. Does that make sense? Let me know if you have any questions. Um, But so you can get pretty creative with this so that they can't help but feel joy. So maybe get a crystal that you know they love but um, rose quartz is a great one. Um, I have a little rose quartz egg here that um, someone dear to me gave me. And so rose quartz is beautiful. Honestly, any kind of quartz. You can do clear quartz, really whatever resonates with you. But um, rose is about love and fostering that love. So that's why I wanted to mention that one specifically. Um, But honestly, other than crystals, this can be done with any object. Um, a quilt is a nice idea. You can give them a quilt so anytime they sleep with it, you know, you have that energy. A stuffed animal, a book, a statue, make it personal. Um, And so you can do this with each and every single member of your family. Like you can have something for your mom and something for your dad and something for your brother and, you know, whoever you want to connect with, you can make it personal and think about your connection with them and think about what would mean something to them so that you can inherit it, what have you. Um, so the idea of the whole thing is that it's meant to be a bonding moment with you. So it can be a physical object like we just went over, but it also can be a place and it can also be an an experience. So for example, whenever I drink coffee and why I brought this coffee mug out, um, I think of my grandmother, especially when I use her coffee mug. Um, she used to, I remember where she used to have her coffee in her kitchen, the sound of the spoon clinking on the cup. And it's just a very, you know, for some people they'll use the word nostalgic, but it connects you to their energy. So they live forever, if that makes sense. And you can share this story with other people too. And so like that is, you know, an experience on top of that, that you can add to it. And I think of my other grandparents, too, with coffee because they used to um, sit and do morning Bible study. And that's just such a beautiful energy and loving and supportive energy that I really like to think about and transmit. Um, Another example is there is a mountain trail in Vermont that makes me think of my Nana. There's a hiking path that makes me think of my best friend in North Carolina. Um, so a place can have that same reverence. And so whenever you need or want to pay respect to them, you can go visit that place. So take time with your loved ones to build those moments, whether it's an object, a place, or an experience. And it might sound silly, but take care of yourself. Sometimes I find myself, especially when I'm in the anger phase, that I get frustrated or resentful when people take advantage of their life and their choices. My grandmother passed away young, and many people die even younger than she did. And so honor the death of those you have lost by living each day to the fullest, and take care of yourself. Also, if you take care of yourself and you're healthy, 
then your family members will have more time to spend with you healthy rather than sick. And so that's why I unmask the universe. <laughs> um, but oh, this, this is something that I was really looking forward to sharing with you guys. Another form, T-Rex, T, be sweet, buddy. My dog sometimes flea bites him, his uh, forearms here, and he's white. And so when you look at his forearms, sometimes they're a little, a little irritated and inflamed. I think he also might have allergies, so I try to get him to stop. But what I was looking forward to telling you was another form of self-care that can really help is meditation. And see if you can build a meditation practice with this person. I mean, I think it's kind of important to go ahead and start it yourself. Um, so have your own meditation practice. Um, but if you can do it with this significant person in your life, mom, brother, sister, lover, what have you, um, I feel like it would be really impactful even if you only did it once or twice with them because... Or a ritual, like a ritual would be really cool too. But you would both be in a plane where your physical bodies didn't matter, but your spiritual, ethereal bodies mattered. hope that makes sense. But the reason why I bring this up was because I went to go meditate for this outline, and I wanted to connect with my grandmother and any past loved ones, and I did pretty much immediately. Um, I would say I have a fairly regular meditation practice. My meditation practice is brief. I don't sit there for like 30 minutes at a time. I sit there for like three minutes a day regularly, and I'm working on building that up. And the three minutes is just a three-minute stint. Sometimes I meditate multiple times in a day. But the point is, I do have regular meditation practice where I sit in silence and just try to connect. point of that is, so I fairly quickly, I connected to my grandmother. And... I got excited um, because I wasn't expecting to connect to her that quickly. And she looked beautiful. She looked different. She presented to me differently than I have seen her before. But I love it. I'm loving what I'm seeing. And um, so what she did was she looked at me and saw that I was excited. And so what she did was she sat down and meditated right in front of me. And even when I've been speaking today, I can like kind of see her in my mind's eye, like right where my computer is so that I feel like I'm kind of talking to her. Sorry, I just connected to her again, and I'm excited <laughs> and nervous and anxious. And while I'm here and thinking about it, you can already tell my tone has changed. Um, I'm really, really, truly trying to feel and be vulnerable with you all. There have been quite a few hiccups, and I'm thinking it's because it's the intense energy and things are moving and shifting, um, but I'm really working on improving the audio. I apologize for last episode. Um, it was a bit shaky at points. I think the mic was too close to me. doesn't really matter, but I'm learning, and I'm also really working on truly being vulnerable and sitting in this certain place, sitting inside of myself is really what I think it is. Um, I'm anxious to show that part of myself and to be vulnerable and just let myself speak. I can be a very harsh critic and critique myself while I'm speaking and that can get distracting. 
so this is what I think my grandmother was really trying to teach me was that the more you meditate and spend time with them and that energy, the more their teachings can, forgive me for sounding tacky, transmit time and space. Because you can, I'm sure you can hear in my voice right now that I'm already sitting more into myself than I was before. I'm pausing. I'm being more meaningful. I'm not just filling up space. And not to say that I was doing poorly before, but it's just that extra level of sitting and being present. Um, I have a hard time showing this part of myself and being this vulnerable. Like, it's not even just like heart space vulnerable. It's like for some reason, solar plexus vulnerable, and I'm sure I will be doing some journaling and reflecting on this energy, but I wanted to acknowledge it and to say thank you, but that it's not necessary, and to share with you real time what I'm going through. So back to the story I was telling, the reason why I brought up you know, meditating with your significant other is like what I said, you know, their teachings can transmit time and space, but so that the loss doesn't feel so permanent because you will at least have your dream space or your meditation space to connect with their energy. So those were some thoughts that I had that were kind of physical things you can do, like having crystals or blankets or those kinds of things in the room. Um, but a lot of people who are around people grieving don't really know what to do or how they can be helpful. So like someone's already passed and grieving, how do you support a friend, for example? Um, and a lot of people ask, you know, well, what do I say? How do you handle the tough emotions? And what words will bring them comfort? The truth of the matter is, is that some, especially at first, there isn't much that you can say because the person is trying to grapple with what happened and a lot of times they are in the um, part of grieving where they're, you know, trying to justify and, you know, they just want them back if I had just done this, that kind of thing. So the best thing to do is to hold space for them and let them speak. Um, people need to remember that they're not alone and that you're there for them to listen and whether that has to be them crying their heart out, yelling at the sky, you know, stomping around and screaming, or telling memories, beautiful memories that they remember. Um, just letting them know that you'll be there is helpful. Like, don't shove it down their throat, but, you know, let them know that the death of the body is not the result of the death of the essence of their loved one. And when I really realized that point after being with my wife for a few years, because I found her telling stories to her family and friends um, about my grandmother when she hadn't even had the chance to meet her. And so my grandmother still lives on to this day because I have spent time communicating those memories and sharing who she was with my loved ones. Um, and I wanted to go ahead and say that it's common to experience shame when death happens. And that's for many reasons that we don't have enough time to get into today. And Brene Brown 
taught me that to counteract a lot of negative emotions like shame, negative emotions like shame, um, the antidote is to talk about it. And that's why I am making this podcast because there were things that I could have done better when people were passing and, you know, in my life in general. But that's why I want to share these things with you. And I am creating my own space and holding my own space for myself to talk about these things. And so that's what's helpful for others is for them to talk about it and process it so they don't feel, you know, shame or guilt or anything. And um, it lets a bond be formed with, with, you, with the other person. And um, so one of the other things that you can do to help someone who is grieving um, is I wanted to share something that I received in an email chain back in the day. <laughs> um, I tried looking up the author, and everything kept pointing me to a Reddit thread. So I don't think that this is a published work or that this person is officially given credit um, per se, but it is beautiful nonetheless. And it has really given me perspective and shaped how I live my life. And anyone that I know that is grieving, I share this with them. So if this works for you, please share it. I will have it down below in the description. I'm actually going to take a sip of water before I go ahead and read this. All right, here goes. I'm old. What that means is that I've survived so far, and a lot of people I've known and loved did not. I've lost friends, best friends, acquaintances, coworkers, grandparents, mom, relatives, teachers, mentors, students, neighbors, and a host of other folks. I have no children, and I can't imagine the pain it must be to lose a child, but here's my two cents. I wish I could say you get used to people dying. I never did. I don't want to. It tears a hole through me whenever somebody I love dies, no matter the circumstances, but I don't want it to not matter. I don't want it to be something that just passes. My scars are a testament to the love and the relationship that I had for and with that person. And if the scar is deep, so was the love, so be it. Scars are a testament to life. Scars are a testament that I can love deeply and live deeply and be cut or even gouged and that I can heal and continue to live and continue to love. And the scar tissue is stronger than the original flesh ever was. Scars are a testament to life. Scars are only ugly to people who can't see. As for grief, you'll find it comes in waves. When the ship is first wrecked, you're drowning, with wreckage all around you. Everything floating around you reminds you of the beauty and the magnificence of the ship that was and is no more. And all you can do is float. You find some piece of wreckage and you hang on to it for a while. Maybe it's some physical thing. Maybe it's a happy memory or a photograph. Maybe it's a person who is also floating. For a while, all you can do is float. Stay alive. In the beginning, the waves are 100 feet tall and crash over you without mercy. They come 10 seconds apart and don't even give you time to catch your breath. All you can do is hang on and float. 
After a while, maybe weeks, maybe months, you'll find the waves are still 100 feet tall, but they come further apart. When they come, they still crash all over you and wipe you out. But in between, you can breathe, you can function. You never know what's going to trigger the grief. It might be a song, a picture, a street intersection, the smell of a cup of coffee. It can be just about anything. And the wave comes crashing. But in between waves, there's life. Somewhere down the line, and it's different for everybody, you find that the waves are only 80 feet tall or 50 feet tall. And while they still come, they come further apart. You can see them coming. An anniversary, a birthday or Christmas, or landing at O'Hare. You can see it coming for the most part and prepare yourself. And when it washes over you, you know that somehow you will, again, come out the other side, soaking wet, sputtering, still hanging on to some tiny piece of the wreckage, but you'll come out. Take it from an old guy. The waves never stop coming, and somehow you don't really want them to. But you learn that you'll survive them, and other waves will come, but you'll survive them too. If you're lucky, you'll have lots of scars from lots of loves and lots of shipwrecks. I sat for a while and tried to explain in words how much that has helped me, and I really couldn't articulate it. To put it simply, this gave me permission to live life to the fullest and with my eyes wide open, not to fear the loss, but enjoy the moments that we do have. So please feel free to share that with your loved ones. Pass along this podcast if you like. Um, because I want to give you all the physical tools like Rose Quartz. An audio video recording of them might be a helpful or thoughtful idea of your favorite kid's book. Um, you can give them this Reddit post. I want you to have all of the emotional and spiritual and physical tools in your pocket. So I hope that this podcast was insightful for you. And I am so honored and so proud of myself for sitting down and compiling my thoughts. This was not an easy first topic, note to self, <laughs> but I now know that if I can talk about this, I can talk about anything. My grandmother used to be my kryptonite. No matter what, I would cry when talking about her because of how heavy it felt. The loss, the memory of her passing, the anger, it was so intense. And to sit here and to reflect on the fact that I just did this. It's, I'm just so grateful to have learned this lesson and to share these moments with you. Thank you all for joining me today, and I look forward to unmasking the universe more in the next episode. Guides, loved ones, thank you for your energy, your support, and your wisdom. With our love, you may leave us now, or stay if it is your wish.